This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! And welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kara Clank. And I'm Lisa Traeger. We talk SVU, true crime. We have celeb guests that are pre-taped before the strike. And then we will not have guests anymore until the strike is over. We are not scabs. Thank you very much. SAG strong. WGA strong. We support the unions. All right. We're not going to just talk about that the whole time like we did the last episode. Um, but we will talk about our tour for a few moments before yes. we get into yes. our gossip. If you guys are somehow just picking up on the podcast right now on episode 100 and like 40 something, uh, we are actually going on tour. We have an amazing, fun live show that we do at comedy clubs and venues all across the country. We're doing 21 cities starting this September, and we're going to be in the Midwest, the South, uh, Toronto, Chicago. I, that's the Midwest, but you guys, you guys know what I'm saying. The Mid Atlantic. We're going to be in DC starting September 10th. Those tickets are going fast. So grab those. Um, and then the first few shows are Atlanta, Charlotte, and Raleigh in um, September. And then in October, we've got Buffalo, New Haven, Burlington, Vermont, Cleveland, Ohio, Boston, 
Let's take a second to talk about Boston. Boston, you guys showed up so hot for us last year. It was amazing. Unfortunately, it got the attention of the Wilbur, who then booked us. for, And it's a very large venue. And we really, really want to try to fill it. So please get tickets. Bring your friends. People, anyone that's ever even seen us for you one time. I think you can agree we're a fun show if you come before. And if you haven't, we're about to show you. But... New cities we're doing, Pittsburgh, Salt Lake City, Milwaukee, St. Louis, places we haven't done before. And we'll be back to New York and Philly in December around the holidays. So check thatsmessedup.com. I just left out a ton of different And we're doing like some big prestigious venues. So Chicago, Park West, Boston, Wilbur. So like- You guys got to come on out so we're not city winery, Yeah, City Winery in New York. So come, uh, go check out thatsmesseduplive.com because I totally just didn't mention like 10 of the cities that we're doing. So go check it out. Buy a tick. Uh, come see us live. We sell specific tour merch on the tour. We do meet and greets. We meet like to meet everybody. Come and come and talk to us. Tell us what your astrological sign is or your problems. We'd love to hear about it. Anyway, let's move on. What's going on? Today's episode is a, is a big one, but what's going on in life before? You yes. just got back from New York. I did just get back from New York. We're in the time machine. Um, It really runs me ragged because yesterday I, you know, I, fl- I flew in at like, whatever. I slept, I woke up, and then I slept for four hours and then I did dinner with you and then I fell asleep almost immediately when I got home. Like, Oh, I'm so glad because when I <laughs> when I, we left way, parted ways, I was like, I bet she's going to be up till four because she's all fucked up on New York and the napping. I'm so glad. You needed the sleep. I think you were running on adrenaline for like seven straight days. Like <laughs> I was. Well, the first, like I wasn't able to sleep. So I was up all night, but then it's just like, I am doing late spots all day. My sister's, my sister's a party animal. I didn't realize <laughs> it. She came to New York demanding a party. I took her home at 1 a.m. She was livid, kicking and screaming like a children being like asked to be, leave the pool. Like she did not want to go home. She, but then of course, folks, asleep. So like, and then, you know, matinee, then she wants to see this and she doesn't get how the city is. So she'll be like, why can't we just take the ferry? And it's like, cause we're on the West side right now. And the East side is over there. And so it was just really a, like a fun time to be in New York with my sister. And we do cool shit. And then Julia kept being like, normal people don't get to do this. You know, we were at a premiere of a TV show. So it was like, <laughs> you know, just, but people kept coming up to me the whole party being like, your sister's a hit. Your sister's the star <laughs> of the party. I mean, she was out and about. Um, I but- love that. Oh my gosh. Speaking of New York and sisters, I'm leaving. This will, by the time you guys are listening to this, she will already be married, but I'm going to my sister's wedding on two, in two days, I'm going to be going to New York for a small courthouse wedding. I get to go inside. I get to be one of the witnesses. And then it's a family dinner with my insane family. And then a little after party. Actually, the oh. after party is at a bar that you and I have been to together. Um, I got the name from Julia. Julia might as well just come on and be a third co-host of this podcast. I feel like the amount that we talk about her, but... Wait, type in the bar into the thing. I can't live without knowing what bar you're going to be going to. It's killing me. It's small, but like I wasn't... I remember it being... We went on a summer night. I remember being very cool. And it's like, this wedding is in July and I just want it to be cool. And like, because it's like 25 of us in for that like party part of it. And I just, they reserved us a whole section of the bar. I think the bar is pretty much just going to be ours. So, but we didn't have to like, you know, 
do catering and all that shit. Uh, I've I called so many bars in New York, and there's so many crazy rules. But what are the rules? So if you want to rent space, like what you gotta, there's yeah, minimums. just like you gotta hit a minimum and like and per person, well, I and tried, you have to give us a deposit in case you break furniture and like, like all this crazy, all this shit. I tried to get a cabana, yeah, and I knew it was gonna be expensive. It's summer in New York, but it had a fifteen hundred dollar minimum for food and drink, or was it sixty five hundred? It was something what? wild. I'm actually, I gotta. Um, after you pay for the cabana itself, you need to then buy $1,500 or maybe $6,500, which is yeah. essentially everyone in your party having two full bottles of liquor. I don't understand how you would even spend $6,500. <laughs> I guess food. That's, that's so, so funny. That's it's like bonkers. asking for people to get alcohol poisoning and just yeah. dying. Because if you're, Multiple you know, if bottles. you do bottle service and bottles are $400 or whatever, I guess you could hit that maybe. But like even... Wagyu beef is going to be $100 a plate. How are you going to hit $6,500? Maybe I'm downplaying Wagyu beef. You know I'm a vegetarian. I don't know how much it fucking costs, but... No, um, that's so true. Like, people will be dying in the sun. They're all drinking thousands of bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hit this minimum. Hand me the bottle of fucking Tito's. Um, you know what but- I miss from my youth? All-you-can-eat sushi. I heard there's an actual good place in LA, but like I met when in my early 20s, there was one place on a fucking Belmont in Chicago. And I would go there with the other receptionists at the salon, and it was so fun. Getting and why, spider rolls. And you're saying now sushi's more readily available to the youth? I just am not really doing sushi buffets. Yeah, or but like all you can eat. Like I'm not. I'm not like a 22-year-old on a budget looking oh, yeah. for... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the buffet. I missed the buffet part. I was like, okay, okay. I was like... You, you know I eat sushi, all the, sushi all the time. Yeah, I was like, what's this story? Uh, but you know what food. I really love? It's not all you can eat because you do pay by the plate. I'm obsessed with rotating sushi. I got it in Japan and I love it. And they have it here at a place and I really want to go. We should go. I've never, I've never been to the, to the sushi belts. I would love to do that. It's so good. And you just pay like per plate. They stack up your plates at the end and figure out what you ate because like there's different rings around the plates or whatever that tell them how much everything is. I like love it. And it's so, because it's just like, oh, I a want little choo-choo. Yeah, a little choo-choo. I love that. Love so um, well, I also saw two Broadway shows while I was in New York, one of which a guest who you will meet soon on the podcast hooked it up. One of her friends wore, like um, does PR for this show. So I got from our guests, I couldn't believe it. I saw And Juliet, and then I saw Shucked. Both, I would recommend. Both great wow. times in the theater. I had orchestra seats that adds, of course. But, I, I mean, fantastic. I just, people on Broadway are the most talented people in the world. As, yeah. And, Olymp- and like gymnastic Olympians. Like, if you combine, if you're a Broadway person who was a gymnast, you are the most talented person. Do you know I- that actually the day that this is coming out, I am seeing in New York Titanic, which is off Broadway. You bitch, yes. And I, I, I got tickets because I'm like, I'm going out to the East Coast. I mostly stay in Connecticut with my kids in the pool and like whatever, but I'm taking one night to go into the city with Jared and we're going to go see Titanic, which is like, literally this hit smash hit off Broadway musical about about the it's the story of the Titanic but okay this music has been musical's been out way before all the submersible drama but it's the story of the Titanic set to the music of Celine Dion and multiple very funny people in my life have told me it's like one of the funniest things they've ever seen so it was I'm a so huge excited. hit it's a yeah. hit I'm you gotta so see excited. the hit and they're yeah. like us 
they uh, bartended on Watch What Happens Live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're all a very special club of bartenders. <laughs> um, <laughs> my favorite are the people who don't, the, who thought we were truly going to be bartending. I think those are my favorite people. Oh, yeah. Um, they go, oh, you make those drinks? Well, no, when we were on it, one of the guests goes, you made these drinks? We're like, sir, we're backstage with you. Like, we did not make these drinks. <laughs> yeah, I have a bow in my hair, bitch. Um, <laughs> which I haven't worn since. I have to remember that I have this bow. I really like it. It is really cute. Anyway, speaking of Bravo, also some New York highlights. One, I went to Cafe Luxembourg. I had I had sweet corn ravioli. <gasps> oh, I love that. You have... You, I, I've never... I, I had black truffle and pecorino, and it was one of the best dishes I have ever had in my life. Ooh. Did the experience get added at Cafe Luxembourg that Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick were sitting behind us? Yes. That was thrilling. Wow. Um, Casey is making a face. He's excited. But my sister is such a Midwest girl. She just kept being like, we'll take a photo of me with them in the background. And I'm like, honey, we don't do that in New York. We don't do that. <laughs> we leave Kevin Bacon that. and Kara Sedgwick alone. Um, I'm writing this down in my phone right now. You I'm have like, to oh, get this ravioli. Able to get, if I'm able to get dinner the night of Titanic, maybe. Because that's one of my favorite things, like a sweet corn ravioli. They have something like that at Hippo. And it's like seasonally and it's so good. I didn't know that about you because I texted our friend Lauren who loves corn famously. And <laughs> so I, I sent her the, and she goes to New York often. I was like, you have to fuck it. It was one, because that's not really even a go-to for me. You know, yeah. I, of course I had shrimp cocktail as an app, but it, it was one of the best dishes I've ever eaten. So shout out to Cafe Luxembourg. Second, I would like to say, <laughs> where else? Oh, the Commodore. Frozen mojitos, delicious. Am I TripAdvisor right now? No, I'm yeah. trying to get to the big thing. <laughs> the big thing is I met Garcelle Bouvet and I met Luanne Delaseps. Huge. Uh, huge, huge. Uh, it's, it's on, it, it's, um, I teared up when I saw Luanne. I really teared up. I don't think I, like I can really like, in my mind, I act like, oh, they're just like reality people. I don't really care. But like, Season six or something of Roni, I was walking past Five Napkin Burger on the Upper West Side with my husband and I stopped in my tracks because I saw Luann and Jacques eating outside there. And I made us turn around and pretend we forgot something so we could walk back again. Like, your body takes over. These people are important to us. Like, I act like I don't care. I'm like, it's not like it's Meryl Streep. It basically is to my body. I had a heart attack. Well, it's also better because reality TV stars usually, um, and Garcelle's also an actual so she is different. Yes, yes. But pure reality stars, they want attention. They want they, to talk to you. They don't need the peace. They, they're not like, leave me alone. My they crave the attention. Except Ramona, I hear she's a big bitch, but what can you expect? Um, but like, yeah, Luann was happy to get photos, happy to get complimented. She was loving the own, attention. <laughs> Connecticut's own Luann de Lesseps. That's my in with her if I meet her, is that we're both from Connecticut. I'm going to start there. I'll be like, I'm from Connecticut, you know? Um, I think well, she'd love that. And then I had a keychain. I had I was I had the keychain with me that had the fish room and the Berkshires on it. So I did get made fun of by our friends, but which we bought at DragCon. Yes, I yes. took the keychain out and I went, Luann, look at my keychain. It says the fish room. I was drunk. I don't know how she. If reacted. you if you watch Lisa's stories, you saw her looking like a cross between like I'm seven years old and my parents just told me I'm going to Disney for the first time, but also yes. like possibly might cry holding the keychain with Luann next to her. Luann's in a fedora looking like she's partying and 
It's the like fu- <laughs> the minute I saw, I think I was in bed and I gasped. I was like, "Oh my god!" And I texted you and was like, "I'm gonna need to hear all about this right now." <laughs> like, it was so fun. But my sister and her bonded because my sister doesn't have like me and Julia. Like we sat, we watched, we interacted, we got our foot, but then we like you know stood back. But my sister didn't give a shit. She was just in New York, so that's just the woman. So she, <laughs> but there's photos of them with their arm around each other. They're <laughs> chit-chatting. But my sister kept trying to cock block Luann and like save her. And we had to be like, she's a slut. She fucks everyone in New York. <laughs> Have you not watched like Bethany open her legs screaming at her yeah. and the Berkshires about it? She's a whore. Um, no, but because that's what everyone was mad We're about. We're saying They're- that positively, by the way. We're sex oh, positive. Yeah. Go fuck whoever you want. Like, but yeah, she kept- No, like, Bethany I think regretted was- it. Bethany regretted calling her a slut whore and all yeah. those things because we are all sex positive. They're just mad because she plays the like demure part and very judgmental. But yes. we, we know she's out there hooking. Not She hooking. was kind <laughs> of like, she was, she was having a hard time letting go of her countess persona. And now I feel like she's dropped it and she's like- bare hands fishing in crappy lake or whatever. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What's the Kennedy Davenport from Drag Race hooking her outfit? The death thing from a night of hooking and then the John got mad and she came from the flames. I wish I knew the whole quote. <laughs> you don't know. Kennedy don't know. Davenport, I think, is the most underrated Drag Race. Well, um, one of the most confessional queens. Like, not only amazing in lip syncs and dancing, but like, on those confessionals, like... Fuck my drag, right? Like, so many things that she said are, like, monument, like, iconic. Flipping in the air and her snatch game was revolutionary. Oh, I yeah. mean, but also the My Garcelle moment, class, we were at a part, we were in a thing together. But the, I think one of the greatest moments of my life is we were both walking out of the screening um, at the same time, and she pointed at me and brought me over and hugged and, me. Excuse me, and said your name. Yeah, but I didn't remember that my friend, because then our yes. friend was like, I saw it, I saw it, I saw huge, it all. Huge, though. Like, and she then, asked somebody, she asked somebody, what's that girl's name? And then when she saw you, it was like, Lisa. Yeah, it, I, it, was, it, was in, it was wild. And then we talked to her at the party for a little bit, and she posted me and my friend in a photo with her in her main, like in the carousel. Garcelle posted a photo of me in her own carousel. So it was, it was, scroll back it was in Garcelle Beauvais, scroll back in Garcelle Beauvais uh, Instagram one month and you will find pictures of Lisa. And just stunning. I would say stunning. So beautiful. Like so beautiful, but so like chill and nice. I don't know. It, it really was um, a high. And like, maybe that was exhausting me too while my sister was skipping around town. I'm like, I am fulfilled to a point where I can't really go yeah, your, anymore. Yeah, your cup was running over for sure. But that's the great thing about New York is then that was all amazing. We get sandwiches from the bodega. Then um, I had to pay over $700 to get into my locksmith. I... I got locksmiths, locksmith swindled. <laughs> I got smith. Well, she got locked out of the apartment that she was staying in from some kind of like, no one knows how it happened. Like that lock doesn't lock on its own thing and called a locksmith. But if you've ever listened, there's a there's a defunct podcast now called Reply All that, I'm, that I really used to like. And one of the things that they covered on that podcast, and you can just Google locksmith conspiracy. And it's about how like the locksmith industry bought up all the Google AdWords and people that are not talented locksmiths are now the first people that you call. 
and they'll come to you. They'll say, I'll do it for $80. They'll be there in half an hour. Then they'll get there and go, oh, you have a weird door. I have to just jack it open with a drill. And then they're like, that's going to be $700 because they're swindling you. Yeah, because then at my show at Union Hall, thank you for everyone that came. I was like, who? how much have people spent? Like, you know, and I was asking people and no one there had spent over 400 I was mostly like in the yeah. 200 but it was in the middle of the night. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. I needed to get into the apartment. And it's hot. Like, that's the thing. Like, in LA, other places are hot, but air conditioning is very vital uh, part of our lives here. And that's just not the case in New York. New York. Like you're in yeah. the streets. It's hot. It's old buildings. It's window units. Ooh. There's not a lot of AC. I have heat rash under both my armpits. It is. I'm gonna have to bring my rough. Lumi with me to New York, and that's not even a part of our paid advertisement. I just feel like I have to bring it. Bring the fucking Lumi. The tits are sweating. It is. <laughs> it is brutal out there. But I also had like my last night there was such a New York night. Um, like I did a, a um, our friend sold out show. Honestly, someone that was a patient of of your mom, Dr. Clank. Yeah, so I, I did a fun show with like fun friends. It was amazing. Then we went out to a bar, went dancing. It was like a disco floor, had shots. I ate a little mushrooms, you know. Um, <laughs> then we rushed over to the last hour of a carnival and it's like rode the Ferris wheel, you know, like um, had Italian fried cookies, just like lights. You know, you feel like you're in an episode of Euphoria at a carnival. And then it's just like a beautiful walk home. And I had to I had to hop over a rat. A rat came uh-huh. at me. And if I didn't jump, I would have touched it. And it was like, now it's a perfect New York day. Now, you know, yeah. now, now you've been it's touched perfect. by all of New York's <laughs> finest things. The wildlife, the the nightlife, it's all there. But tonight, Lisa and I are going together to see theater camp. So stay tuned for next week when we give you our review. I cannot freaking wait to see this. I know the movie will be probably out of theaters by the time this even comes out, but I'm like so pumped to see it. Yeah, I think we're gonna have, it's just fun. I mean, for me, unfortunately, this has been like the first summer in a decade, I've wanted to see almost every movie. Like it yeah. is rare. Like it just feels like there what there's something that happened this summer where they've realized we just want to have a good time. We just want to laugh, enjoy ourselves, and you know. And they gave it to us. It is kind of nice that there's some comedies coming back, like the Jennifer Lawrence, the Joy Joyride. Like Barbie's gonna be funny. You know, like it felt like for a few years, comedies were just like dead unless it was like the Minions. And, you know, I still consider that high comedy. Um, But should we get started? We've got an amazing episode for you guys today and excited to show it to you. Spousal privilege, everyone. We're doing season 16, episode eight from the year 2014. If you want to put yourself there while we dive in to this SVU episode. So we open up on Amaro yelling at Maria, his wife, um, in their loveless marriage. And everyone in the office is looking at him as he screams into the phone and they are judging. The fight is about custody and Thanksgiving and Zara. And then he hangs, like he gets hung up on and then he punches the lockers. And now we see Rollins is also judging and a little worried. Um, And then he opens the fridge and all of this is under the stairs. And I really don't remember the fridge locker stair situation. When did that Uh, start? No, I don't remember that. I I really, that, that came out of nowhere for me. And then, um, 
tells Rollins, don't tell me what to do when she tries to just be like, hey, why don't you be like positive? And then he's so emo and dances off. Oh, Rollins goes back to her desk and before Finn can say anything, she goes, shut the fuck up. Don't even say it. And he's like, what? But I also don't know what's going on here. I wonder if Finn knows that they're fucking. Are they fucking at this point? Or just, you know, Amaro's a mess. Leave him alone. You're not going to help him. Like, I don't actually understand this whole interaction, but it's cute and I love their friendship and dynamic. So Benson um, whoops in like a boss and asks, what's up? So she sees Amaro with his hurt hand and he's obviously not going to tell her what's up. That's the boss. You can't be like, I was yelling at my wife in the middle of the precinct. And I punched so, a locker like a yeah. psycho. And Finn and Rollins are working on their laptops um, or pretending to work, you know, because their boss walked in. I don't know. Uh, Benson catches Finn and she's like, is that work related? And because he's looking at bikini models um, and he goes, oh, it's a celebrity nude selfie leak from the cloud. And Benson goes and it's SVU because and Finn's like, well, some of these girls are underage. Um, so and then Benson goes, all right, yeah, wrap it up. I don't buy it. You fucking, <laughs> you fucking porn hungry detective. So Mara walks over and acts very anti-SVU. If you don't want nude photos of you on the Internet, don't take nude photos. And Rollins tries to put him in his place. Don't wear a short skirt if you don't want to get assaulted. Is that what you're saying, Amaro? And Amaro looks off in silence, understanding his mistake. Then he catches something on the site and Finn is like that Finn is on. And he goes, wait, hold up. What's that? So they watch a video and it's AJ Martin. He's a football correspondent. And then Rollins, you know, tomboy, tomboy to the max. She adds, well, before that, he won the Heisman and an eight-time pro bowler. And then, so he's in the video and it's with his baby mama. And her name is Paula Bryant. And they're drunk and they're walking up cement stairs. And the footage is from a security camera. And he slaps her ass as they walk up. And then, uh-oh, the next video is him pulling her unconscious to the car in this parking garage, dragging her like a dead body vibe. And Ice-T goes, whoa. And Benson goes, are you fucking kidding me? Is this a whole celeb new task force? Come on, guys. And Amaro's like, um, it kind of might be more. And she, she recognizes AJ Martin too. And Rollins thinks this happened after the Met Ball six weeks ago. The theme was black and white. And that's what they're wearing. And then the music plays. And Benson's like, this can't be. Because he wasn't picked up. Like, what's, what's going on? So then in the video, we see like, um, you know, a uniformed kind of cop, like a patrol beat guy approach the couple. And as he's like pulling his lifeless girl all around into the car and that cop should have done something. I get that this dude's a sports hero, but like, are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Yeah. He's dragging a woman around and you're like, no, no worries. It's just like, it really upsets me that, but I, you know what? Also, even if he wasn't a sports hero and he was just a dude, I bet a, I, I bet so many times a patrol cop would be like, oh, I'll get your drunk bitch home. No worries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always think of the Dahmer victim who ran up to the cops and Dahmer was like, this is my boyfriend. He's just like drunk and they let him go back and he was killed by Jeffrey Dahmer. It's just so fucked up. Because this happened to me once in Grand Rapids where this like limb, like really limped, wasted girl was getting shoved into the backseat of a car and the dudes were like not... The, you know, if it was my friend who was, I'd be like, oh God, Stacey's always the strong. Yeah. What a nightmare, blah, blah, blah. But they like, as soon as you're defensive, I know what's up. But I called 911. I followed the car. I got the license plate. No one ever helped anyone. No one ever arrived. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Like, no one cares. 
Yeah. Ugh. Like to be a police officer, seeing someone dragging a passed out woman and you're like, oh, you play football. No worries. Yeah. Crazy. Benson wants the video of what happened between the stairs where he just smacks her butt and the parking spots where he's dragging her. Like, what the fuck happened in there? Amaro can't find the footage online, but they're going to contact the garage. Benson also adds for them to contact the local precinct and saw, like, what the fuck happened, um, that the cop did nothing. And that shocks Finn, like, that she even wants to investigate this. And she's like, well, after Ray Rice and the others, if there's a sniff of domestic violence, we need to pounce. She spins with a hair toss, and we go right into the credits, baby. Amaro and Rollins are talking to the a uniformed cop at the office being like, come on, who doesn't hit the mother of his children when you're drunk? It happens. <laughs> who cares? He accuses SVU of having a slow work day, and that's why they're trying to take the case further. He explains his officer arrested both of them on the scene. They put cuffs on her lifeless body. <laughs> They're like, she looked out of it. He says she declined medical attention and he was really polite. And then they go, well, were they ever spoken to separately? And he goes, I didn't feel the need. And so I I just hate him. And Amaro spots an autographed football and says, oh, I get it. And the cop's like, whatever, AJ's a legend. And so (laughs) he said that she got jealous and went insane at the party and somehow some low life leaked the video. He goes, listen, it was dismissed. Go to the DA or something. This isn't my fucking problem. This cop doesn't care. He's a nine to fiver. He does, the job's done for yeah. him after. So they go talk to Barba and he's like not that invested in it. The ADA who took the case and didn't do an adequate job, according to Benson, is on his first vacation in three years. So Barba's like, I'm not bothering him. And I guess I have to take this case, but I'm annoyed. But I know that you're SVU and you're not going to drop this. And he's like, they said it was a drunk marriage fight and nobody wanted to take it further. And he got community service, but then didn't take the deal. And then nothing happened and no one followed up. So it's just kind of in limbo, but the case isn't closed. There was no deal. It wasn't officially dismissed. So it is like still open. Uh And Benson says, this ADA shouldn't have just taken the cop's word. And Barbara goes, I take your word all the time. And she's been gotten. So Benson is pissed and Barbara's like, we need stairwell footage. And Benson says, we're on it. We're on it. We're trying to get it. But also, you know how this goes. We've seen it before. He knocked her the fuck out, dragged her into the car. And Benson's like, he didn't take the offer. So the case is open. Find the tape. Or get her to change her story of slipping and falling. And so we go to their home in Greenwich, Connecticut on Pearl Lane. And I would... Love to live on Pearl Lane. Such a cute name. Oh, there's a Pearl in New York, right? Yeah. There's got to be. So they're holding hands at the house. They're sitting side by side in really comfy chairs. And AJ explains that he didn't take the deal, but he did cooperate with police and yada, yada. And Benson's like, well, that's pre the video coming out. And he's like, exactly. We need to get the person who leaked it. And it's like, yeah, let's just, what's a, what a nice redirection. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're on to that too. Don't worry. And a kid runs in and throws a football at Finn and he says he wants to play football like his dad. Megan Good is playing Paula, the mom and the wife and, you know, football wife. Um, So Megan Good is like, go to your room. And she says, grown folks are talking. And he asks, oh, what are you guys talking about? And then he gets yelled at by the dad. He's like, junior. 
And immediately this kid is like, yes, sir. And the dad is like, nobody is playing with you. Get the fuck out of here. And he scurries the fuck off. And Benson, of course, reads into it. And then Finn and AJ uh, bond over football and his son playing football. And while he's talking about the stats and what the coach told him, his wife just interrupts because she's excited and she wants to finish the sentence. And he doesn't like it. And he glares at her. And she's uncomfortable and shuts up for sure, immediately. Benson and Paula end up going to the restroom um, for a ploy, obviously, to get her alone. But this, you know who this husband reminds me of? Monique Samuels' husband on Potomac. Oh, yeah, Chris Samuels. I got that vibe from him. Like, when she yawned and he got, and while he was talking and he was like, oh, am I boring? Like, he got mad because she yawned. And I was like, oh, this is unsafe. Like, when they announced their divorce, I was really happy for her. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. I just, this vibe, like, you should, like, just looking at someone and they have to change their behavior. Like, that sucks. That's a sad life. So anyways. Wait, can um, we also take a second, though, and just talk about how Megan Good is playing this part and now... Eight years later, seven years later, she's dating Jonathan Majors, who's in the middle of a huge domestic violence charge. It's so crazy. Like Standing it came up on my Instagram. Side. It came up on my Instagram and I was like, wait a minute, what? Like I really, really crazy. It's like art, life imitating art. Crazy. It's, it's, it's wild. When you sent that to me, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And Finn is left with AJ and they have a bond and a vibe together. And he's like, obviously, you know why we're here. And he's like, no, I respect that. You know, I you have to do your job. And he's like, yeah, especially with athletes, press, we need to check things out. So he's like, so what happened? And he's like, we were, we were drunk. Words were exchanged. And Finn's like, well, it looks like words turn into deeds. And he says, she even knows that this was her fault. She fell off the rails. She had a few and he wanted everything to stay tight. And Benson um, has Paula alone and asks if she wants to say anything. She's like, do you want to tell me anything? And she says, she went after him and slipped. And Benson's like, but you were walking up the stairs. So like, this isn't yeah. like check out. AJ cuts them off quick and he stops it. But like, he runs in quick. Like, he has amazing hearing. Like, I don't know how he, like, figured out to scurry in the hallway that fucking fast. And so he's Chad Chad L. Coleman, which sounds like a fun-ass name. I really like it. <laughs> and he was in a season four episode, which is wild. He was, like, a welcoming cop, a.k.a. prison warden. But I like welcoming cop more. Um, in the episode Rotten. And he's in, like, giant fandom. So he's in Walking Dead and the Orville. And he's just been working for decades. Like, he is on fire. He works a lot. And so, but, but basically, so his character, AJ, is like, this is in my house. And anything you say to Paula, you can say to the both of us. And I have already given you enough. And I gave you permission to be in this house. This man is controlling. Yeah. And Benson is leaving in his swaying trench coat as Finn and Rollins are looking at gala footage. And the garage is claiming they don't have the stair footage. And Benson says, then get a fucking warrant. Like, we need to push them on that. Finn is being defensive of AJ and how both him and Rollins were scared of their moms and got hit. And it's like, okay. And, you know, so he's controlling. And Benson goes, she is covering for him. Amaro says that he got hit by his dad and that taught him you never hit a kid or a woman. So, like, stop fucking excusing it. And then Rollins, pick me girl extraordinaire, she says, <laughs> I mean, he could have been fending her off. 
I hate this. He's like, twice I, her size, like truly. I just hate this that like men use their physical strength so often to prove their superiority over women. But then as soon as it's a domestic violence situation, it's like, I had to defend myself. She came at me. And it's like, aren't you guys constantly saying how you're stronger and bigger and better than us? And all of a sudden you have to protect yourselves against us, our frail bodies. I Especially don't get it. she's not holding a weapon. Like if she's coming at you with a gun, okay, maybe. But like she has no weapon. She's just a tiny woman. This specific and you're woman. a football player. Yeah. You're a professional beater upper. Like your job is to get hit and hit. Like <laughs> you had to defend yourself against your like supermodel wife. It's just fucking bullshit. Yeah. How like... They'll push the needle back and forth always. Like, we're not equal. Oh, actually we are. She hit me. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's Rollins' point of view. Amaro starts to yell. And then Benson answers the phone and goes, wait, oh my God, what? And then they turn on LMZ, aka TMZ. Which or- is so funny because TMZ stands for 30 mile zone. So what does LMZ stand for? Lisa. <laughs> What's 30 mile zone mean? The 30 mile zone is like the 30 miles around Hollywood, I think, is like what TMZ covers. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. I never knew that. That's a fun fact. Take a drink. Fun fact. (laughs) We're making rules as we go. So um, anyways, TMZ, aka LMZ, they have the stare footage. So basically she's yelling at him, but then he straight up punches her in the face. Like a full like swing, like Mike Tyson swing to his wife. And Rollins goes, well, that changes everything. Rollins yeah, is like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Rollins is like, Casey, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so AJ is being walked into the precinct. Paul is walking behind him and they're all flanked by tons of detectives on either side. Benson's like, I'm so sorry this is um, so public. There are no shield laws for domestic violence victims. She says, I'm not a victim. She walks off after ben, um, after giving Benson a dirty look. And then he's got Elizabeth Marvel. So Honey's got a, one of the top lawyers, I would say. This is, this is a top attorney. Yeah. And so she's in the building. She has great skin, half up, half down hairdo, just rich, powerful, and incredible. Great choice. Benson lets them know they will be talked to separately. He, of course, does not like that. But Rita Calhoun, a.k.a. Elizabeth Marvel, she's like, don't worry, you'll both have counsel. And she sends her co-counsel to go in with the wife. And they all get to work. Legal work. His version of events is women flirt with him and he tries to be nice. And that sets off his wife, Paula. So she like flipped out, started screaming. And so he had to take her out of the party. And so that was annoying to him. And then in the nicer room, that's where uh, Paula is sitting. And she's like, listen, the girls can talk to him, but they need to know that he's mine. And that she got loud and made AJ angry because she embarrassed him in front of really important people. And that can't happen. He says that she was stumbling and could have hurt herself. So I had to stop her. And Benson's like, with your fist? He blames being drunk. Finn only asks how many drinks and she is a good lawyer and she shuts that down immediately. So then she, Paula says, he was just trying to protect me. And then they kind of like scream, like by punching you in the face. The defense in this case is the craziest I think we've ever, this is like crazier than affluenza. Their whole thing, this whole episode is that he was just trying to protect her by punching her. 
Yeah. Like the whole episode, it's so twisted. So then the lawyer's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why the animosity? And Rollins and Amaro are like, we're just trying to understand this. And she's pleading like, we want to put this behind us. Leave us alone. And that's it. But we can't put it behind us. The videos are out. Benson and Barbara meet up in a spy room and she fills him in. And she's like, they're saying it's chill, but that was assault. And Barbara agrees and hopes that the footage is like enough evidence that they won't want to go to trial. And Benson's like, no way. There's no settling with this guy. Like he's a bad dude. And Barbara Barbara goes, no, this is going to be really hard. You don't understand. Everyone loves him. His wife supports him. And the jury's going to be obsessed with him. He's a hero. And Benson goes, you're right. Let him go. No problems here. (laughs) And he's like, okay. And the defense, like I just went off and I'm going to go off like this whole episode. Elizabeth Marvel's like, my client was just defending himself. And he agrees to anger management and AA and whatever it takes. And Barbara's like, that's not enough. I want assault three, 90 days. She's like, assault three, no jail time, but 200 hours of community service. And Benson's like, that's not enough for me. And she wants more than him picking up garbage with a pointy stick. And she's like, okay, well, he's already been suspended by his network. And it's like, Yeah, that's, you're not a, you punched your wife in the face. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, why would someone want to work with you when you're a person that punches your wife in the face? It's like- Of course you're fired. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it's like, you could kill her. Like, one punch from somebody so strong, like, you could kill someone. Like- Yeah, it's the Con Air rule. A guy, when I was in college, when I was in college, a freshman got punched one time in the face during- orientation, fell back on the pavement in a certain way, went into a coma and died. One punch. And did the other student go to prison? It wasn't a student. It was an employee. So I don't know what happened, honestly. But we did a memorial bench for him and everything. But it was like so sad. It was like his second day of college. And it was like one punch. You know, the head is very precious. You can't fuck with your head, you know? No, and they bring it up in this episode, but it's also like, you know about head injuries, you play football. Yeah. It's all about like concussions and all of that. So it's like, even more you could have known you could have fucked her up. Yeah. And honestly, AJ's like, you know what? She's going to have my back. So I don't fucking go. Like, let's go to trial. I don't care. Everyone has my back. So we're in court and he pleads not guilty, obviously. Barbara wants remand. Paula is really upset in the stands and Calhoun gets her way and he gets to go home with only $20,000 bail. He smiles at Paula. So, you know, Paula looks really happy about this. She does a little prayer hands at him. And then Benson walks into the bathroom and Paula's in there. And these are some very classy court bathrooms. Yeah, they look nice. (laughs) They look very nice. Um, Because the only other time I remember, well, no, there's a lot of bathroom moments, but I'm thinking of Counselor Chinatown episode with Margaret Cho and the girl jumping out the bathroom and that bathroom did not look as chic. Nice, no. Not a chic bathroom. So Benson asks to chat. Paula is fixing up her makeup in the mirror and goes, why? It's too late for an apology, okay? What For what you've done to my family, Junior is being harassed at school. AJ's career is over. Benson is done playing games. She's like, I've been doing this for a long time and I've seen a lot of men like AJ. And she goes, there's only one AJ, best believe. And Benson's like, I get it. I'm sure there are times where he makes you feel incredibly special, but that doesn't make up for the times where he puts his hands on you. And Paula breaks and says, he slipped. Do you know what it's like to have the whole world watching us at our worst moment? And Benson's like, look, me in the eye and tell me this has only happened once and I'll believe you. Megan can't do it. 
Benson says it will happen again. And she's like, why? Because a strong black man can't control himself. You know, and she says, I'm concerned about you and your son's safety. I'm not concerned with the public perception of black men. And Paula says, well, we need each other and we will be living as a family. Calhoun walks in and goes, um, I assume this small talk because you know you should not be talking to my client without her counsel. Benson stands in silence. AJ is giving a press conference and look who we have here, a priest, a father, standing behind a woman beater for the sake of family. Leslie Odom Jr. is here and they've been praying and working through it spiritually. And then Paula takes the mic and wants to set the record straight. And she goes, there are people who are invested in me playing the victim here. And um, that's not going to happen. And she takes full responsibility for provoking the unfortunate events of six weeks ago. Eek. Which is just like, even if she feels that way, it's like you, I don't know, don't send that message to people that you that you provoke physical violence, that there's anything you can say that can come out of your mouth that deserves physical violence, you know? Yeah. Also, I, I noticed here that it's November and the Met Gala is actually in May, so... Uh-oh. They said this happened, you know, they Check were like... Check the calendar, guys. We know what's up. Yeah. So she says they're working on their issues together and she cries and asks for privacy. And then she gives a stink eye to Benson. And then, oh my God, it's fucking Hoda. And who's Hoda's, who's, what's the George Bush daughter's name? Jenna Hager? Yeah. Or is it, yeah. So Hoda and Jenna have a show together. And, you know, I was very much like, fuck this Nepo bitch. Like, why does she even have a job? Why was she on the Today Show? The clips of them show up on my Explore page and on YouTube shorts. And guess what? I listen to every single one. <laughs> every single one. I love, I love them. I really love them. I, I can't get enough. So um, it's a split screen and on the news is Hoda and she's talking to the couple who's dressed very Connecticut and they give a little puff piece interview and they call the media gutter press. And it's like, you're also in the media right now though. So yeah. But the Today Show, the fourth hour of the Today Show with Hoda, that's literally where they tell you how to throw a barbecue. <laughs> and like what Halloween costumes are hot this fall. Like, No, I did like the fourth hour of the local news, the WGN News in um, Chicago. And I, I had so much fun with the women and the anger. I go, this is the best news show ever. And they go, I think our real news would be really offended that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you bitches are the best. Fuck the real news. Um, tell me where to get a fucking beer cheese in Chicago, babes. All right. And I, I think I was recording on a Friday. So it was like they had someone making cocktails and all of us had cocktails in our drinks. There was like yeah. a bartender on set. And that's truly the fourth hour. Like the third hour is actually like barbecues and Halloween costumes. And the fourth hour is like bottoms up. Like it's just them <laughs> getting drunk. It started with Hoda and Kathy Lee. Oh my God. So, you know, so Hoda's here. I'm obsessed. And so, I mean, how many more times can I say Hoda? But they talk about commitment and they're in this marriage for the long haul. And Benson's holding Noah furious watching this and bitching to Barba on the phone, who's equally as mad. And oh my God, they're about to announce news. AJ proposed. So they haven't been married, which is wild. They live like such a domesticated life. I never assumed yeah, this. And they have like an eight-year-old. So they've been together for a long time. A long time, but he maybe he was waiting right for this moment. And he so he proposed with a 15 carat and it's the same as his retired jersey number, 15. And they're getting married later uh, that day. 
So this is obviously a ploy for the courtroom and about like testifying and stuff. Barbara is in shock by this. We open back up in court and we have a specialist who's going to explain why AJ's fists are stronger than just an average person. So, and Rudnick's actually on the stand. So, and he he's a little get out with this. He's like, you know, talking yeah. about bone density and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. This is a little touchy-touchy. So they show the video of the punch on the flat screen and like the force of the flow using the classic algorithm of weight and muscle mass at at more than 700 pounds per square inch, which is four times that of an average couch potato could. He says he could have killed her, but she was lucky and that's an objection and the jury will disregard that. And now it's time for a redirection. And she straight up is like, you're a morgue man. You don't know about living people, do you? You little fucking creep. And he's, you know, that's true. And it's like the class like you didn't even look at Paula. You don't know Paula. You're basing all of this on a grainy video and math. And she, you know, and she looks fine. And AJ is very smug and he knows he has like such a good lawyer. And now it's Benson on the stand. We're really going through these quick. And she's like, it's wild that Paula continues to say it's her fault. And it's not uncommon. Um, and it's also not uncommon to refuse to testify. Barbara asks why, and she gives like some reasons. You know, a lot of times victims of domestic violence are financially dependent on their abuser or they're scared of violent retribution and at most at risk when they go against their abuser to try to leave. And just because they're in denial of their abuse doesn't mean their abuse didn't happen or like that it won't worsen. And we get a shot of Paula like looking down, embarrassed, and we get a Calhoun cross coming right at you. She goes, did Mrs. Martin express fear um, of her husband to you? And so, yeah, the last name changed because they just got married. She right. was Bryant in the beginning of the episode, Mrs. if you caught it. Mrs. Martin so. now. Yeah, this is so strategic. And so did Mrs. Martin express fear of her husband to you? Nope. So maybe she's not testifying and married him because she loves him. And that's that. And Benson's like, well, that's not what the video showed. And she's like, come on. My client regrets it. What more do you want? And Benson's like, yeah, I've seen that before. Regret and remorse. And I'm not impressed by that. So, I mean, this is Benson's about to be in deep shit. So she says she doesn't care about anger management. And then the, the defense attorney is like, but Amaro, a cop in your squad got to do anger management. So it's good enough for you and your department, but not for, you know, this player. And that's why you pay her the big bucks. Barbara tries to object, but it's fucking denied. Benson is stuck. And, but also she's like, my dude lost his temper with a horrific child abuser, not his wife. Yeah. But she's like, no, but the point is that anger management is sufficient enough for a violent cop to get his gun back but not sufficient to rehabilitate A.J. Martin, a man without a speeding ticket. Nice double standard. But also, I hate where it's like, we couldn't hurt a fly, no tickets. Those yeah. things do not what equate anything. What does a speeding anything. ticket have to do with, yeah, exactly. I like hate that false equivalency so fucking much. I also don't know if I used false equivalency correctly. So anyways. I um, think so. Okay, cool. So nice double standard. And AJ is now more smug than ever. And Benson stares right back at him. And we cut to other players responding to questions about AJ on a TV screen at a bar. And Rollins is there drinking and loosening up her shirt. Baby is tipsy. Amaro joins and orders what, what she's having. And she actually gets a refill, but neat this time. No ice. Rollins asks Amaro how he's doing since court was very rough. And Amaro is actually chill. He's like, whatever, you know, Rita was just doing her job. And then Rollins continues, 
yeah, but, you know, she has a point. And Amaro's confused. Really? What's the point? And she's like, it's a private matter. This is between Paula and AJ, and you're all overreaching, taking this to court. And he's like, he hit her. That's it. But they cheers, and Rollins is now, hold on a second. So we get to decide what's best for her. That's infantilizing. She believes they're making her a victim all over again. And he says, slow down. And she doesn't like him counting her drinks, and she smiles at him and then calls him, like, Saint Nick the savior of damaged women. And he's like, I just don't think men have the right to hit a woman. And she says, that's right, but some of us don't need to be saved. Like your wife, who doesn't need to be saved, right? And she's like, but you've wanted to hit her, admit it. <laughs> he's not into this line of questioning. And she's leaning into him like, it, you know, you want to hit your wife, I know it. And he's like, no, I don't. And she starts poking and shoving him and like, doesn't it get to you? Come on, tell us. And then she shoves him harder. And he's like, oh, we're are you jealous of Maria? What's your problem? And she hits him harder and says, we've seen you yell and go off at your wife. Just say it. Admit it. You want to hit her. And Rollins says, it's, she's, wait, what? No, <laughs> she's know. just being so like aggressive. <laughs> oh yeah, she is. She's fucking wasted. And then hits him super hard and says, I don't want to be a victim. And he finally shoves her off. A chair goes flying. He pushes his drink off the bar and it flies. And he throws cash onto the bar and says, I'm going to do what AJ Martin should have done and walk away. He grabs another drink off the bar and walks away. Everyone at the bar is obviously staring at them. So this is like Rollins is like doing a little experiment. Like, I bet I can piss a man off enough to hit me. Like, I'll show you how easy it is for a man, to, like, to hit a woman. Like, yeah. so weird. Well, it is, and we know about her dad and mom and all of it. And, yeah. You know, Rollins has had a lot of growth. You know, now she's a professor, but... Yeah. Well, and I looked this up. This is, like, past them fucking. They fucked in season 15. Like, in the episode, at the end of season 15, he comes out of her shower or whatever. So I think they're done at this point. But maybe still not. Who knows? Okay, so now we're back and it's like we're watching another TV screen of a boss man talking about his place of employment and not supporting him and not being able to work with him anymore. And Finn and a bunch of uniformed cops watch this on TV and the league is sending a message. There is never excuse for domestic violence. Rollins is like, God, poor fucking Paula. This video keeps getting played over and over again. And he's like, I agree with you, but he did hit her. And Rollins in a red golf style blazer says, yeah, but you can't save someone that doesn't want to be saved. And Finn, um, little office gossip brings up Nick. And she's like, Nick needs to stop thinking he can save the whole world. And Finn laughs and then gives some facts. Two things he has learned at 15 years at SVU. One, you can't take this job home with you. Two, and you can't take anyone from this job home with you. Okay. Oh, ice cold fact. Ice cold facts for Rollins. She hears him. And then back in court, um, the reverend's on, stand, on the stand, Leslie Odom Jr. Okay. And he's like, listen, they grew up this way and it's learned behavior and they're trying to change. He's team marriage and that's, um, you know, it's loving and it's Christian and it's a marriage of equals. And Barbara's uh, sitting, so you know he's feeling cocky and he's about to do some theater. When Barbara starts the questions while he's still seated, we're about to have a fucking show. <laughs> and he, he goes to the father, um, what, why don't I remember his priest name? But whatever, Leslie, priest Leslie. He's like, so it's a marriage of equals. And the priest goes, yeah. 
And he's like, even though he out earns her by a hundred times. And Barbara's proving like, you're acting like you know these people, but you only know them at church. You don't know them at home or when they're drinking or how he actually acts towards his wife. You only know church AJ. And then a bombshell, this motherfucker has not watched the video. Leslie Odom Jr.'s priest character has not watched the video. So I cannot believe this motherfucker has opinions without watching Having the video. Having seen it, yeah. I just, it, it is just so funny, like when the people that love religion message us being like, you're too hard on religion. And then it's like, I know this is a fictional priest, but like defending an abuser over a woman's safety, like yeah. everything over women's safety. Like a woman has to sacrifice her fra- face, her brain, her whole life, everything to keep a marriage together. It's so sick. I fucking hate the world. Um, Whatever. AJ's on the stand. He goes, I love my life. She's my wife. Whatever. No, I love my wife. She's my life. Okay. (laughs) The mother of my son. I will always regret that night. He says he didn't intend to do it. She's like, listen, that video is damning and the prosecution is going to use it against you. And like, why did you decide to take the stand? And he says, well, Paula's had to sit in the courtroom every day. She's filled with so much humility and, uh, you know, admiration and gratitude. And if she is brave enough to sit here, I can be brave enough to stand up here and take responsibility and teach my son what it is to be a man. And Barbara's sitting, like I said, never good. So Barbara goes, "Um, and you're teaching your son to tell the truth? He goes, yeah, I do. But night of the incident, um, you said that your wife slipped and fell. That's not true. He goes, yeah, I admit it. I lied. And he knows that it was wrong. And so then Barbara brings up the video. He's like, you've been here saying that you did not deliberately try to hurt your wife. And he is lying because obviously we have video evidence, but this is so Ramona Singer. One of my favorite moments, do you know this from um, Housewives, where a woman comes up to Ramona at this party and is talking about Ramona's birthday. And she's like, oh, and Sonia's coming. And Ramona goes, no, don't invite Sonia. And then so Sonia was purposely not invited because Ramona didn't want to like, you know, mix with her upper class friends or whatever. Even though, so you know, Sonia has a townhouse. Okay, but at the time. And so then we're at the reunion and they're like, I mean, Sonia is your friend. She's your ride or die. Like, why did you not want her at the party? And Ramona's like, I never said that. So they're like, well, let's play the video. And then they all watch the video of her like saying to the women, don't invite Sonia. And then she's still denying it. Uh, Like heaven. To watch video evidence of you doing something and still continue to deny it is a level of delusion I would love to reach. I would love to be that crazy. So anyways, he's lying with video evidence of him just cold cocking his fucking wife and going, I didn't do it. It, it. It's so Ramona Singer. And anyone, please find the video of that fucking bitch. It's like, Sonia is your best friend. You demand sharing beds on vacation together. And then you didn't want to invite her to your birthday. She's scum. Yeah. So he says he put up his hand to stop her. Again, we have the video. (laughs) So then it's also like, okay, if you didn't intend to hurt her then, then why didn't you call 911? And he's like, oh, because she came too. And Barbara's like, no, like, you know all about concussions. You're in football. Even knocking out for a little bit is bad. Why didn't you take her for medical attention? And he's like, well, I just made a judgment call. And Barbara's like, okay, cool. So your idea was punch your wife, drag her unconscious body across a, ju- a garage, and then get out of there. And he says, how dare you? And then Calhoun tries to object. And the, the judge finally is like, stop trying to object. He's doing a cross. You need to chill the fuck out. I'm allowing this. <laughs> 
As, so then he's like, did you love your wife here? And shows pieces of the video. And then, surprise, Paula Martin is now going to testify. And Barbara's annoyed because she sat there the whole trial. But the judge is like, eh, they live together. It's fine. Like, he, he could have talked about the trial at home. Like, it doesn't matter if she was here at home. She needs to go in this. Benson and Barbara do a quick walk and talk. She's just, like, trying to prep him. Like, this is everything I know. Let's do this. So... Then she's on the stand and it's quick, right? She's like, I was drunk. You know, she's like, I know my husband loves me. That's the truth. And she's also denies that it was a punch. She's like, this is a private moment between two passionate people and that she is not scared of him. And she goes, you don't know him. I do. He's a gentle, good man. He doesn't deserve this. Our family doesn't deserve this. And Barbara again, sitting, he's sitting. He <laughs> says, thank you for being here. He says, this must be difficult for you. And she says, I'm fine. And he's like, are you always fine? Always good and fine in the Martin house? And she says, it is. And he asks some questions. She was 21 when she met him and he was 35 at the end of his playing career. And she never had any other relationships um, that were significant until him. And it's like, okay, well, where is this going? And he's like, I bet, you know, it moved fast and you moved in within months and then immediately had a baby. And you, you know, you were a reporter for the local news and you gave that up. And she, and how many friends do you have? And she's like, I have my sister and other players' wives. And he goes, okay, when was the last time you hung out with a male friend or just a girlfriend? or even the sister, or even your sister without AJ being there. And then he goes, is it fair to say your life revolves around AJ and your son? And she goes, yeah, and I'm fucking proud of that and happy about it. And he's like, even when he's yelling at you and she says, he doesn't yell at me. And he goes, does he yell at your son? And music plays. And she says, he doesn't yell. He raises his voice because he wants him to behave because he loves his son. Barbara goes, oh, really? Like the way he loves you? obviously objection. There's a rephrase. When AJ raises his voice at Junior, how does it make you feel? And she goes, what does it matter? And Mrs. Martin, Mrs. Martin, when you see the look on your son's face, how does it make you feel? And she's shaking her head. No, you don't know what's right for me. He says, I know it's not healthy to be in an abusive relationship. She snaps a bit. Don't you lecture me. I'm not leaving him. I don't care what any of you have to say. And he catches her like any of us. So you've heard this before. How many people have brought this up to you? And then he asks if she notices how she looks at her husband before answering the question. He continues to walk closer to her in monologue and she looks at AJ and Barbara's like, don't look at him. He can't answer for you. You need to answer for yourself. She says, I don't want to lose him and I don't want to lose my family. She starts to cry. She goes, why is that wrong? She goes, what gives you the right? And then she says, just leave us be, please. She leans back, shaking her head. AJ is in thought, but I'm not sure what he's thinking. And then it's immediately time for closing arguments. And um, Calhoun is like, you know, I feel sorry for the DA's office. You know, they have to be politically correct. This is just a misunderstanding, a private matter. This is not a case. And if you convict him, you're tearing a family apart. Barbara's closing arguments is you saw the evidence. We know as a society, we have evolved uh, beyond the idea that women are property and that what they feel and what they experience doesn't matter. And by knocking out Paula, he is saying that she doesn't matter. Disregard for her safety and life. She loves him, has a kid with him, and convicting him might not be what she wants, but to not convict him is wrong and sends a message that it's okay to be a bully in your own home. This is not okay. We cannot stand by and say it's acceptable to look the other way. 
physical violence against other human beings is a crime, I guess, but not when it's your wife. Like how, yeah, that is true. Like if you can't just beat the shit out of random people, like you, if you, if you just punched a dude in a stairwell like that, that You'd would go be to jail. Yeah. Like it is true. Like because it's your wife, suddenly there's more nuance and it's a private matter. Like, right. you know, like that's why marriage is, and not anti-feminine. I mean, marriage is cool. Like, I want to be married, but it is like, I understand why people are morally against it. It never benefits women. And it's this idea. So it's like, if he just punched a random woman in a stairwell, he would be going to jail. Yeah. But marriage gives him the cloak of it being okay. Well, what's interesting is I feel like they've changed laws now because now you can go, it's a, it's a at least in California, if you punch, if you have an assault of someone that you're in a romantic relationship with, it's a stronger charge than someone that is a stranger. It's a felony because they've tried to, they've tried to toughen up domestic violence laws. Yeah. Wow. But it is just such a like cloak where it's like, yeah, yeah. well, I could beat the shit out of you and now you can't even testify against me. Like it is right. skewed not for a woman. Like marriage is not for a woman. Yeah. The way it's set up in any capacity. Um, so, you know, what's going to happen? We're back in this kitchen fridge area under the stairs. Um, Amaro and Rollins. <laughs> Where it all began. <laughs> yeah. And they're having a literal water cooler moment. There is a water cooler right next to them. And, you know, they do a little hey, hey, back and forth. And then Amaro runs to live and asks about Barba. He's nervous. And the jury is questioning now if the video was doctored. And Rollins is like, yep, they're looking for a reason to acquit. They know this feels wrong. Then don't work at SVU. Like, that's what's oh so shocking God. to me. Like, I, we need someone to obviously always argue so we learn about the other side and learn more about why things are the way they are. But, like, it is just so weird that you would join SVU when you're so anti- like, Yeah. That this is bad. Benson is like sending everyone home does. That feels right to you. Like a boy growing up in fear. And Amanda thinks that AJ has learned his lesson. And Benson goes, well, I don't. So it's court time. There is a verdict. Um, the charge of reckless endangerment. We find the defendant guilty. Shock. He's shocked. Calhoun's shocked. He's heading to fucking Rikers. Paula cries and tries to get AJ's attention and she can't get it. He just walks off. He doesn't even acknowledge her. That is important. Like, that has to be for a reason. She's like crying, going, AJ, AJ, AJ. And he won't even look at her. He just walks yeah, off. Yeah, because it's her fault. Like, in this guy's fucking mind, you didn't tap dance well enough on the stand. Like, you didn't get me out of this. This is your fault for being drunk and sassing me and me hitting you. Like, and provoking me to hit you. That's what's going on in this guy's head. Benson stands up. Her family rallies around Paula, hugging her and rubbing her back. And Barba and Benson talk. But I, I'm sure the sisters are like, fuck, get out of it. Like, yeah. fuck AJ. Barba and Benson talk in the hallway and he'll get the minimum of two years. Paul, I mean, just the reason it's shocking is because NFL players never, they only go to jail if they fuck with dogs. You know what I mean? They yeah. like, you can fucking beat anyone you want in, in the league. Paula and the reverend and like the whole family clocks Benson and Barba and she walks over to them and goes, I hope you're happy. I lost my husband and my son lost his father. And Benson says, you deserve better than that. And so does your son. And then she goes, what do you know about it? She screams this. Um, she goes, I was happy and fine and we were making it work and it's my choice and you took that away. You think AJ was beating me up? What do you think you did? And she storms off. Benson does feel bad, but Barbara says we did the right thing. And she says, I know. 
And that's Dick Wolf, baby. Damn. Teach us some stuff, Kara. A tough one. A tough one. Yes, please listen to this ad from our sponsors. And we'll be right back with more Real Life. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. And we're back. So they literally mentioned the case in this episode. This is obviously based on Ray Rice. This was like a huge scandal that hit the internet in 2014. But uh, Ray Rice is Raymel Maurice Rice, a.k.a. Ray Rice, an NFL football player. He was a running back for the Baltimore Ravens for six seasons, including one where they won the Super Bowl. He was in the Pro Bowl a bunch of times, just like this guy that uh, A.J. Martin in the episode. And he was known for his community service. Like in 2012, he was voted Baltimore's most charitable person. He's like a big figure in Baltimore. He was a home, an advocate for homelessness. Uh, not for homelessness, but for people experiencing homelessness. He was involved in Baltimore's Make-A-Wish Foundation, spoke out about cyberbullying. Like he had a lot of causes. 2014, it was the off season. Ray Rice was 27 years old. So young, like, cause in this one, this guy's like 40 something. I'm not saying there's, I'm just saying this guy was young and like had been in, like had been famous since he was 21. On February 15th, Rice and his fiance, Janae Palmer had been drinking heavily. Well, I do want to add to that. Like he might've been just famous since he was 21, but athletes that are this talented, like he was being catered to College. as a child. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And high school. Before. Yeah. yeah. Like when you're this good, like, everyone is obsessed with you from a very young age. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And he actually grew up in New Rochelle, New York, which is not far from where I grew up. Um, it's in Westchester County, like less than an hour outside of New York City. And I also want to say that they are borrowing a little bit in this episode from the Beyonce Solange elevator thing uh, and with Jay-Z because that took place also in 2014 after the Met Gala. Oh, wow. But this was... Obviously different, and there was no like 
Jay-Z did not hit anyone in that in that elevator. But this was, um, in real life, they were not at a Met Ball. They were at the Revel Casino in Atlantic City. They got into an argument. Rice follows Palmer into the elevator. They scream at one another. And then it, it, the, supposedly she spit in his face and then he punches her. And honestly, like, it's an extremely shocking video. I watched it back in 2014 and I kind of forgot but I watched it again for this and it's it's just as shocking as the one in the episode. Like he fucking hits her so hard and she's knocked out. And then he, she hits her head on the railing in the elevator and then he drags her out of the elevator like lifeless. And what's so shocking in the video too is like the way he drags her out, like he eventually just kind of drops her with her legs still between where the doors would close. And he's just standing there. He's not like down on his knees, like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, come to shit, I took this too far. He's just standing there. Like, are you done being unconscious yet? Like, the video goes on for a long time because it's security footage from an elevator. And she eventually comes to, he's not helping her up. He's not squatting down to her level to see if she's okay. He's just sitting there while she comes to. Someone else appears in the video. It's not a cop like in this episode, but it's somebody. I don't I don't really know who it is in the video. But Ray was arrested and charged with assault. And, you know, it was a huge thing. Like, because on the 19th, this happened on the 15th, four days later. So in this episode... It's six weeks later. Six weeks go by. This is four days later. TMZ gets this out and everyone's fucking watching this video and it's still up. And apparently Janae says she's never watched it. Much like the priest in this episode, she's never watched it. But this one article I was reading that I'll link to in my sources said they talked to a sports psychologist who, who has worked with a lot of pro athletes who said, quote, if your whole life you're trained to be aggressive, other things tend to come with that. Their job is to be aggressive. So that's like what a lot of sports psychologists were saying about like where that behavior came from. Yeah, because this it's guy- like, so when does that stop? That's the excuse. It's like sure. Benson where it's like, oh, you're right. Not a problem. Yeah. Sure. Go yeah. off. Like- that means why are all the other athletes not doing it? That means everyone in the military, like every aggressive job, you yeah. can then beat anyone you want up. No, I know. But this guy is also saying like Ray Rice's thing was like, look at my look at my record. Like I don't have a single blemish on my record. Like this is the one moment in my life. And it's like, yeah, but if this moment in your life hadn't been caught on tape, who's to say it wouldn't have kept going? So anyway, the Ravens- And you're right. Like he wasn't even worried. It was, that's what- Because what if she died? It. That's what if what's she died? spooky about it. She's lying there lifeless. You're not on the ground. You're not like, babe, babe, are you okay? Like, you're just standing there. Like, it's 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 a little spooky. But like, the Ravens called his arrest, quote unquote, a serious matter. He was suspended indefinitely. On March 27th of 2014, a grand jury indicted Rice on third degree aggravated assault, which would have had a possible jail sentence of three to five years and a fine of 15K. But the next day, which was, Six weeks after the incident, the the day after he was indicted, they got married. So they hadn't been married. And so much like in this episode, they got married. I'm sorry. The grand jury indictment must have been 2015, right? Because this didn't happen until 2014. So I, I said the year wrong on that last thing. But Rice was suspended from these first two games. The criminal charges were eventually dropped because Rice agreed to undergo court-supervised counseling. On September 8th of that year, he was released from the Ravens. 
He actually appealed his suspension on the grounds that he was suspended twice for the same offense, which is a violation of NFL rules. And on the 28th of of November of that year, 2014, it was announced that he won his appeal to be reinstated to the NFL, and he was reinstated. And on January 15th of 2015, he and the Ravens settled a lawsuit. He sued them for about $3.5 million in back pay that he said he would have earned in those final 15 weeks after he had done his two-game suspension. So... In 20, so at this point, he's won three and a half million dollars and he's reinstated to the NFL. He's it's 2016. He tells everybody, hire me. I'm a free agent. Like, I'll give all of my season salary to domestic violence charities if you sign me. No one signed him. And in 2018, he announced that his football career was over. He never played professionally ever again. So After that, it's kind of hard to see what he's been doing. He became a motivational speaker. He talks to high school students and college athletes by speaking out about domestic violence, using his thing as a cautionary tale. In 2018, he went on CBS This Morning with Janae and said he hates the person he sees in that video. He said, quote, I'll be the first one to say it. I don't have to retire to tell you I'm done with football. The pressure I was under of being a star, that was the person I hated the most. And he just kept, he says in this interview a bunch of times, I hate the guy. I hate that guy in that video. He says he doesn't need a second chance. He already got it when a Janae agreed to marry him. It's really hard because sometimes these articles say 2022, but they were written in 2018. They've just been updated with a new date. So they have a daughter named Raven. It's hard for me to figure out how old she is. Um, he told Men's Journal, That's I got- so pu- weird. Like you played on the Ravens and then you named your daughter Raven? Yeah, Raven with a Y, R-A-Y-V-E-N. No, I see, but like- Yeah. Didn't, that, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. But he's so, he's really big into Baltimore. Like there were his team, like he was a big person in Baltimore. So I don't know. He said, I got publicly crucified and I deserved it to Men's Journal. And then, I mean, Janae like stood by his side the whole time. I'm trying to find out if she ever like had a career. She ended up going to college down in Baltimore to Townsend to be near him when he was playing for the Ravens. And I don't know if she's, if she works. I I literally tried to find stuff about her, but she wrote in an Instagram post, if your intentions were to hurt us, embarrass us, make us feel alone, take all happiness away. You've succeeded on so many levels. Just know we will continue to grow and show the world what real love is. Ravens Nation, we love you. So obviously they're very into the Ravens somehow because this is like a post about your family and a very serious domestic violence thing that happened. And at the end, you're like, hashtags big ups for Ravens Nation. It's a little bit weird, but apparently he's moved to Stamford, Connecticut, which is a city I used to live in as a child and is very close to where I grew up. And he, as of 2017, I was reading something that he was coaching at his old high school, New Rochelle High School, but it's really hard to see what he's up to like right now. I did see that, let me see once the one thing because I saw Janae is on um, Instagram. I can't tell Janae Rice, public figure, 38.5 thousand followers, owners of Cuties and Co Boutique. Just can't tell if this is her. It is her. It is her. Yeah, that's her. So they got pictures of sports up here. It looks like they're thriving. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the fam. He's not and on maybe the Instagram it is, very much. It's an interesting perspective to have an abuser like do the you know do the motivational speaking and be like. Don't be like me, but yeah. something about it feels off to me too. For I'm like, do you act like the victim? Like, I, I, he's saying everything right and everything that you just explained, you know? Yeah, like he really is. He's not like the guy in the episode who's kind of like, this was a private moment. I mean, he's like, that was the worst moment of my life. I did a horrible thing. Like the fame and I don't like, maybe he was, 
I mean, who knows? Maybe he was like on steroids. Don't those make you aggressive? Like who knows? But now it's like he, there's photos of them all over her Instagram of like, love you. She's not really on it in the past two years. I'll say that. Maybe they're having problems, but their kids are on there, the kid, and it looks like she's playing sports and it's cute. But it is wild because I bet he like, you know, he's going to be real rich. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing and I don't know what you. But that you, should be the precedent. That should be the precedent. If you yeah. hit a woman, you lose everything. Like, why is it like, oh, but what about his future? Why can't the standard be if you hit a woman, you lose everything? That's it. That's the rule. Yeah. Something I was. Why do we have to have leeway for these men? I don't get it. Well, I was reading too that the Ray Rice case, like sort of like it did kind of make the NFL a lot more uh, reactionary about like domestic violence stuff because there's been other, obviously, other players that have been in this situation and they've been like, well, we're not going to make the same mistake we made with Ray Rice because I think they didn't, people didn't feel like he got enough of a punishment or whatever, but like, so they're harder on other people, I guess, when this happens now, but. That's the that's the story in case you weren't around in 2014 when it was going on. It's not really... Sometimes I research these things and I'm like, oh, there's so much more I didn't know. I mean, the thing that he just says is like, I have no... I have, there's nothing on my record. Like I have, like my wife, if I was a, if I was a serial abuser, my wife would have left. I mean, people say that all the time. That's not true, but I don't know. So that's that. But we have an amazing interview that's going to cleanse the palate right now. So everybody sit tight. Guys, our guest today, I just want to reiterate, as we have been doing, that this interview was recorded prior to the SAG strike. So no one is breaking any rules. This was pre-recorded. Yeah, that's that. And without further ado, our guest today, oh, truly booked and blessed, has starred in some of the most popular TV shows of all time. He was a series regular on The Wire, on The Walking Dead. He can also recently be seen on The Orville, but you know him today as former professional football player and wife abuser, AJ Martin. Please enjoy our convo with the very talented Chad L. Coleman. Hi, Chad. Where are you right now? Yeah, we uh, don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the Westin in LA. In LA. Okay, cool. Yeah. Where are you based? Are you, do you, you don't live in LA? Not now. I'm in Atlanta. I'm in oh, Atlanta cool. now. Yeah. We love Atlanta. Well, it looks like Law & Order original recipe was like one of your first gigs. Like it's at the very beginning of your IMDb. Was that like one of your first TV things that you did? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah so then was... you got, you got into the Dick Wolf universe in the mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were on another episode of SVU called Rotten where you played a prison warden in 03. Yes. So then what got you back for this episode where they were like, we love that prison warden. Let's bring him in for this. Or like, did you audition or what was the deal? No, no, no. You know, at that point in time, I was working on The The Walking Dead and uh, they were already familiar with my work and they thought that I would be great for that role. The kind of Ray Rice character. Yeah. So they came, the producers just came to me and said, hey, man, this is what we're trying to take on. You know, this is the subject matter. And uh, we want somebody that people will feel sympathetic towards and just not write them off as, you know, the domestic violence guy 101. I hate him, you know, and just shut him down. So they wanted someone that could, um, you know, evoke empathy from people. And yeah. uh, so, so something that people would have to wrestle with, 
you know. And then, you know, when you say Megan Good's going to play your wife, you know, that, <laughs> that part. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> so you're in, you know, Wire, Walking Dead, kind of cult, culty type <laughs> beloved shows. Mm-hmm. Do you know what someone's about to, like, bother you on the street? Like, by looking at them, you're like, oh, you're a Walking Dead person. <laughs> you're, you're about to bring up the Wire. Oh man, that I wish it was that easy to peg. You know, <laughs> it's, it's really not. I feel like it's a lot of crossover. <sighs> I would, I would be generalizing. <laughs> right? No, I, I can't tell. I can't tell. They, what they do you get the most? Uh, of course, The Walking Dead. The volume is there. You know, by yeah. sheer volume alone. But you know, the wire is that that you know was not a critical hit. You know, that just, I mean, was a critical hit, but was not, you know, a mass appeal. It's grown into, you know, having a mass appeal because of uh, the substance of the show and the way it was done and the, the appreciation for the artistry of it. But, you know, it, the, the the Walking Dead was a massive hit, you know. Right. So, so by sheer numbers alone, it's going to be The Walking Dead. Yeah. Well... Okay, we'll talk. So you knew it was Ray Rice, this SVU part. Mm-hmm. Did, and obviously it's like a sensitive topic. It's SVU. Did you have any hesitation or any thoughts, any research going into it? I, I, you know, initial res- reticent about playing the domestic violence guy, you know? But at the same time, understanding that we're talking, it's a subject matter. Somebody's got to play the role in order for us to have a deeper conversation, you know? So it's relevant from that standpoint that, you know, I am hugely, obviously hugely against domestic violence and a man putting his hand on a woman. is it's a no That would be a twist. That would be right. a wild twist in this interview. If, if you <laughs> if were you pro. <laughs> if yeah. I was saying, <laughs> well, come to find out. <laughs> no, uh, it's such, it's such a, uh, yeah, and it's a subject matter to me that let's address it. Let's always address it. Let's let's keep it on the front burner. And uh, the, you know, in no way, shape, or form should we be burying this. And you see it. It's obviously it's relevant at all times. You see what's going on in media right now with a particular high-profile actor. You know, um, it's real. It's a thousand percent real. It's in our communities, our families. Uh, so I did, and you know, I'm an advocate for um, Love Life Now, an organization in Boston that's, uh, you know, uh, an advocate against domestic violence. And uh, so I was working with her and, you know, I, I, I can look at my childhood, my father, you know, this stuff was huge. And um, the narrative around that and what he did to my mom, that stuff was real. So I always wanted to be an advocate for that. And then I wanted to know, okay, how are you going to tell this story? And uh, they did a heck of a job of, you know, presenting it from some so many different angles. The fact that he had to go to jail was important to me. You know, you know, you got to the consequences should be that as far as I'm concerned. So the fact that this high profile dude, you know, even though his wife was in support of him, it was a really complex, layered approach to the story. And um, I thought it was handled incredibly well. And um, it just 
they covered it from all angles. There was they weren't trying to vilify the man. They were just trying to hold him accountable. And uh, I, I thought that was great. And his arrogance and inability to see, you know, his the error of his ways, you know, took his butt to jail. There you go. You know, yeah. you're not you're not above the law. So I want to send that message to, you know, high profile athletes, uh, actors, whoever who think that they have the right to do these things. Uh, no, you do not. And you should be punished, you know, completely and absolutely to the letter of the law. So that's where I was with it. And, and, and we want to do substantive work. You don't always have to play the good guy. You know, it's somebody that everybody loves. Uh, inevitably people will appreciate that you took on a role that, you know, um, that could possibly have you seen in a, a negative light, but recognizing, no, if we don't tell the story, then, then, we're, then it's not in the forefront as it should be. So that's where, that's where I was with it. Did you guys film the, the security camera footage? Were those stand-ins or did you guys do that? No, we did that. And that was very tough. And that was, that was, that was rough. But again, you can't give it a soft landing. You got to go for it because that's the horrific nature of it. And if you do anything less then you're not doing service to it. But I was just totally, are you okay? We, you know, always like make checking in with her to make sure that she was okay with, with everything that was going down. And we worked it out together, but she, you know, she's like, come on now, let's go for it. You know, we, we, this needs to be as, as brutal as it is in order for, you know, to, it to resonate with, with the audience. It needs to be that way. Yeah, because it is shocking and hard to watch. Like, yes. you know, like the video that, you know, came out on the news. Well, one thing I noticed throughout this whole episode, you do so, like, much acting without saying a word. Your faces say so much, like, yeah. up top. Yeah. You just gave one look to Megan Good, and it was like, oh, you yeah. know who the, like, what is happening yeah. in this house? With just one look, it was problem. so impressive. Right, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a problem, you know. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and I mean, unfortunately, those guys are like that. They're very much like that. It's an egomaniac. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Like, I run this. And, and you know, you better not step out of line. It's, it's, it's so unfortunate. And uh, I just hope that we're, men are continuing to evolve with a clear understanding and that, you know, that is a no-go. And, you know, Unfortunately, not enough men are, are teaching their sons that, hey, I, I was taught by my older brother. My older brother just said, if you ever put your hand on a woman. And that stuck with me for my life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I and know it seems simple, but it it you got to drill, drill it home. Coming from certain communities, you do have to drill it home, you know? Unfortunately, it can be com more commonplace than it should be. So, and then you would like, how was, how was, because it was kind of translating even into the relationship with the son, because you were yeah, you at that the, moment where you kind of yell at him. And, yeah, you know, exactly. that's a similar thing where people just learn that from their parents, you know, of that's like, right. this is how you control your children or you keep your kids in line or whatever. But, um, how was it working with that kid actor? Were you like, I'm a nice guy, like in between takes? Like what? Because like, well, I really am. Like so a 10-year-old. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I naturally love kids and gravitate. So my energy was to protect him, uh, uh, but also to show him that this is how you be a professional. When you do your work, you do your work fully yeah. and absolutely. Don't make an apologize apologies for doing your work. But you don't have to have the work bleed into, you know, the onset energy. It doesn't have to be that way. So I'm going to, you're going to be comfortable until you're not. But when we say action, you know, I got to do my work. And so I want you to, wanted him to understand that. Right. Have you ever worked with someone that stays in character the whole time and then you're so annoyed? Uh, yeah, yeah. I try not to be annoyed, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know, everybody owns their space. You know, that I, I'm like that. Like, do you? However yeah. you do it. And, you know, a lot of time what happens is, you know, people will put on their headphones and just be, you know, like in the corner and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever it takes for you, no problem. And if you, especially with stuff like this, these are very, uh, very heavy, you know, uh, deep drama kind of situation so some people have to ramp up you know um for me it's more just about relaxation and being true to the story you know what i mean if and they did such a heck of a job of writing it uh i think it was warren light i believe it was uh you know if you just if you're present and you're relaxed in the truth of what's on that page then i you know for me i don't have to do a, a lot of ramping up I'm more so concerned with the other actors feeling comfortable and safe, you know. But we had some fun, too, because I got to, you know, Ice-T is like the coolest uncle on the planet, you know. And, and you know, he's funny, you know. We got to chat and talk for real. I rapped for him. He said I could rap. And I was like, oh, oh wow. The risk of rap. It was like, oh, wow. You know, so that was, wow. that was yeah, we would have, you know, sometimes when the subject matter is so heavy, you do want to have some levity in between takes and stuff because it's already an uncomfortable subject matter. So uh, right. I didn't know Mariska could rap, but she, <laughs> and she's funny too. They're both very funny. You know, they, you, you, you're going to have a good time working with them for sure. They, uh, and then I see he wanted to talk about um, The Walking Dead. He said, yo, he said, yo, you know who need to be killed off? Carl. I can't stand <laughs> that. <laughs> he don't listen to his father. <laughs> need to take off that damn hat. <laughs> I said, I see who says that, man? Who says that the kid should be killed off the show? But I guess they listened. They heard him, you know, probably took, what, three, maybe three or four more seasons. But, <laughs> you know, Carl was killed off. But he had he had a huge beef with that character, the kid character. That's so funny. He's like, it's an apocalypse, a zombie apocalypse, but take your hat off. I love take that. Take your hat off and listen <laughs> to your damn father. <laughs> He's great. Did you get any ice cold facts? Um, you know what? He was talking about the state of rap. So, you know, when he was doing that dissertation, I was <laughs> all ears, man. You know? Yeah. Wait, did you start in theater or were you, or no? Like, when did, did you, st- you did? Yeah. Yeah. So now I got to New York in 89. Um, actually, the first thing I did was a stand in on the Cosby show. Um, I thought I was auditioning. I was so new to the city, you know, I thought I was auditioning for the show. 
Uh, but I was actually auditioning to have a piece of tape across my chest saying P.O. <laughs> but, but, but stand-ins make more than background. It, so oh, no. you're, you're not at no, the no, very no. bottom. No, no. That was, that's, that, it, it was a cool gig. You know, it was at that time, it was just after. It was an after gig. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, look at the experience. You there with all these iconic people and, you know, absorbing everything with, you know, that thing I know Cosby's dealing with it, what we're, you know, part of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. But at that time, you know, he was just this iconic dude and uh, Lisa Bonet and, you know, Lisa Bonet was dating. um, That's when she was dating Lenny Kravitz at that time. Wow. And uh, so she would come, she would come to the, uh, to the studio it was Kaufman Astoria Studios in Queens and Astoria right. Queens. So she would come to the studio and say, "Hey guys, hey guys, could you guys please play Lenny's music for the pre-show?" Because nobody knew who Lenny Kravitz was at the time, and you know she was trying to promote her man. Oh my God, where? How was it being in New York in that time and acting? Like obviously, oh, this is a good God. story. Like, how do you um, remember that time? I, it was so exciting. You know, was, I was so excited. I was following my dreams, you know. Little kid from Richmond, Virginia, uh, made finally made his way to New York. And um, I was just a wide-eyed, excited, very cocky and sure of what I could do. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I, I, I literally, I was fired from the show. Because <laughs> I was, I, you know, I got um, despondent. After finding out that they're not even going to give me a shot to be on the show. I'm doing this so I could be on the show. I even told Malcolm Jamal wanted that. He said, he said you, I said, no, man, I'm an actor. He's, he's like, he said, um, who's a professional stand-in? Maybe they are, but <laughs> I'm not one of them. So I was, I wanted to be on the show because when you, when you rehearse, you're doing the lines and the blocking just as they would. And they show you on the monitors throughout the uh, throughout the soundstage as if you're that character. And I was really good. I knew I was good at what I was doing. <laughs> so, and they did too. But uh, so you know, eventually, I was like, uh, I would be so despondent when it was time. Like you work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and they tape on Friday, and you're not there. So every Friday, I'm on the train crying like. Why can't I be, you know, I want to be on the show. So inevitably, Malcolm, you know, the the Cosby show ends and Malcolm has a new show called Here and Now. And I got it. I got a a guest star role on there. Oh, so when I showed up, he's like, yo, I said, I told you I'm an actor. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned it's like, you know what it's like to be on a show that hits and gets that level. When did you when did you realize Walking Dead like was Um, going to be what it was like while you guys are filming premiere? Like, yeah, when do you realize like, holy shit. Well, you know, I was watching it, but, you know, season three, it was, you know, I came in at the halfway point of season three. And by season three, it was finding its momentum, you know, really. Because, you know, when, all it is everywhere you turn, people are talking about it. Yeah, that whole after show. Yeah. And then all of that stuff was birthed. You know, when did you have a show about a, show, a talk show? 
about a show. Right. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. And uh, so everything about it took off, you know, everywhere you turn there, people were just talking about it. So that's that that part. And then, um, you know, I wasn't even looking at my, you know, social media numbers. They were going through the roof, especially when I was killed off. I think that's probably when when the numbers went up, you know, and in, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. So uh, people devastated. Yeah, yeah, incredibly so. It's, it, they still talk about it to this day. It's uh, still one of those. I had two iconic, really iconic episodes. Of, uh, one was called The Grove, where um, I had to confront a character about killing, uh, who had killed my girlfriend on the show. And this is someone I thought I was in allegiance with, and uh, Carol. So uh, when Carol killed my girlfriend, she she admitted to killing my girlfriend and it was one of the most iconic scenes that's ever been done. And that was amazing. And then the having to kill the little girl, she had to kill a little girl was incredible. And so the Grove is one of those show episodes that sits out. And then my, my, uh, and my death episode, those two, like it's been what 11 seasons. And if you said top 10 shows, episodes if those two episodes will be in the top 10 still you know yeah so pretty pretty powerful impactful memorable stuff wait i have one this is from i just saw a photo while we were researching you the makeup on orville yeah yeah i love i love Clyden. well first of all uh the our storyline is has been huge for the lgbtq plus community because they look at it as same sex, you know, and they also look at it, the transgender community with our our daughter, who's a son now, you know, or, or no, our, yeah, our daughter who became a son, who became a daughter, you know, okay. but the, uh, the LGBTQ uh, plus community is, has been really appreciative of that storyline. They're able to extract from it, you know some of their own experiences and uh that's been amazing but in terms of uh, the makeup it um takes an hour and 10 minutes uh oh i thought it would be way longer i know but seth was very pointed about us not being in a makeup chair for like three hours it's tv we don't we don't have the time and you know to spend in a chair like you do on some film sets so he was um Howard Berger uh, is with uh, K and B uh, Special Effects Makeup, probably the premier company in the in the game now. And uh, Howard created this thing, so he made a cowl of the head, and now you do is tack it down around your face, oh. and and then the second piece is like a Batman mask, the eyes and the nose, boom, and then a little chin. Most of the time is spent spraying down and evening out the makeup, you know, but it's. It was it was very efficient, but it it's it looks so elaborate. But it was he did most of the work for us, you know. Not, okay, so work. you're not getting recognized from the Orville, pretty much. That's <laughs> maybe, not happening. I, maybe I am. Maybe <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, if they it's what it, what happens is they go. I know that voice, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The voice, then, totally. You know, but then a lot of people are like, "Oh shoot, I didn't know." <laughs> That's Jack Coleman under there. Like, yeah, yeah. I all I saw I saw uh 
Alan Rickman and uh, Galaxy Quest. That's what I first played. I want to be in, you know, that's why I'd love to yeah. be in that. Uh, and uh, a couple of others. Um, Enemy Minds, you know, and that was uh, Lou Gossett inside of them and the makeup. Uh, yeah. There's been a few that, you know, resonated. So as an actor, I always felt like that would be cool to do. So I was happy to be able to do it. I love introducing someone as a wife abuser. That was really funny. <laughs> it was hard not to fully uh, cackle. And he, because he seems like the nicest man in real life, as everybody is. Every asshole on the show is like, comes on our podcast and is the nicest person in the world. But he was coming to us live from a hotel room. And I well, respect and that he's taking of- the time. And one of the funniest things in the history of the world happened, which is someone was in the background but didn't realize there was a video and he had to go, girl, there's a video. And then she jumped like in a movie where she was covering like a a bomb from exploding a village. She like (laughs) jumped over the bed. It was so funny. Um, It was incredible. So thanks for that live laugh for us. Um, That was fantastic. And an incredible actor, person, you know, I just, I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. And and so booked. He's in so many things coming up that we obviously aren't going to mention because of SAG stuff, but like very talented man. And you'll be seeing him a lot more in the future, I feel like, in tons of stuff. Um, Hell this yeah, episode. Bitch. Oh my God. It, such it, a toughie. Is, this one is great. It's layered. It's like, you know, we have to help people get out of these abusive situations, but she didn't want to. Even when they don't want to help themselves. Yeah. She did. She wanted to be with this person. And I don't know what the right thing to do. Like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I get Olivia's point of view is like, we're on the side of the law. Like you broke the law. We have to do what we have to do. And we're, and it's like, there is an eight-year-old kid in the house, you know? Well, yeah, because I remember when the Chris Brown-Rihanna situation happened, a lot of people's thing was like, well, she forgave him or she went back to, or they or had a relation or whatever. And I go, that has nothing to do with me. And I yeah. hate him and fuck him and I will never support him. You know, like, I to me, it doesn't matter if, if you did something fucked up to someone and they forgave you, that is their prerogative and that is their right, of course. But I will hate you and I don't care. Yeah, that was, I mean, there's an SVU based on that that we've been avoiding handling. Um, But we definitely have been avoiding, because it's so, it's upsetting. It's upsetting. And that no one care, and that the Reverend defended him in this episode. Yeah. That really gets my blood boiling. Yeah. Not good, not good. I mean... It's just like, yeah, and it's it's hard because it's like, even I felt myself feeling bad for Ray Rice when I was doing this research because I was like, wow, he really says nothing else ever happened. And like, there's never been a blemish on his record except for this one time that he fucking like cold cocked his wife and then just like didn't seem scared at all or upset that he had done it. Like, I understand people see red, they go into it and then, then it's like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, there was none of that. And so that makes me think like, yeah, I guess if this hadn't happened and you hadn't lost your whole career and been under the public microscope, like, who knows what you would have done next time, you know? There's no way that was the first. You don't just punch someone out cold like that. I know. That is what, oh my God. So you know how I always call this the Con Air rule? 
I was with my sister and she got into a little thing with someone because basically, oh, I can't believe I didn't tell you this. So they know somebody whose um, son is defending people against bullies, but he has a black belt in Taekwondo. And so he chokes these kids out until they pass out. And so the whole discussion is like their parents, though, are suing the school for not doing enough about bullying, even though their kid is the one who has choked out three people till they pass out. Which to me, I was like, oh, he's going to be a cop. This is a kid that's going to be a cop. Because you're not... Yeah. You're not punching. You're not telling a parent. Like, you can punch someone. You can kick them. You can shove them to the ground and say, don't do that. And violence is not the answer, whatever. But like, all right, you hit a kid. Who cares? But you're to choke out another kid until they lose consciousness is an extreme. And my sister's trying to explain to these parents, like, no, 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 that is wrong. Like, it's the Con Air rule. And I go, wait, what did you just say? She goes, well, he has skills because he has a black belt in Taekwondo. And I go, I say the Con Air rule. I'm like, we are truly related. (laughs) It just felt special, but yeah. Um, Wait, so this kid's parents are suing because he's like taking vigil, he's like a vigilante, basically. He's like taking justice into his own hands. Yeah, and that he shouldn't have to. And they're just like, a litigious family. So I guess they like love suing people. So they sue people constantly and win all this money and kind of live off. There are, you know, I like not, they are not my sister's friends. They are like someone, like a friend of a friend, like people they know from their past. But like the the person that was relaying the story saw no issue with this kid passing people out. And I was like, Oh, no, he will be a decorated officer soon. Don't you worry. Yeah. Oh, my God. takes justice to the extreme. So, I don't know. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal. Choke out my classmates. It's a scandal. That's my... that I just made that up. It was a vanilla ice wrap that I did about a kid choking people at school. So, I hope you guys like that. That'll be coming out on Spotify soon. I've turned to music um, in light of the strike. No, I guess Um, this kid made the assistant principal cry, too. He said, you don't care about children. You've done nothing here. Like, bullied. The, like, like, get oh, this yeah. kid this out of the This kid's going to be a cop. Like, put him in now. Let him be a cop now. Like, let's just get it going. Start yeah. it. Give him a canine. Let's start. Wait, well, I, I don't want to give information, but they know how to be suing because the mom was a stenographer. Wow. Took notes. So, yeah. She took notes with those little fingers. So anyway, postmortem, basically, a tough episode. Obviously, we've talked a lot about domestic violence on this podcast. It's very, and there's a lot of things going on. That Megan Good is in it. I know we mentioned it in the episode, but it is like, it we is recorded wild. this episode and then the news came out that she was standing by Jonathan Majors in court for abuse. And it's like, how is this episode real and life real? Yeah, like, the timing shocker. is crazy. The timing is crazy. Let's move on to our What Would Sister Peg Do? You guys know our weekly segment where we send you to a blog, magazine article, made-for-TV movie, an organization of charitable intentions to give you more information about something we talked about today. And this week, we wanted to highlight an organization that Chad mentioned in our interview with him. He has worked with the Love Life Now Foundation, which is um, a global awareness and education organization that supports survivors of domestic violence through year-round initiatives and direct assistance to domestic violence programs. Um, The organization was founded by Laverne J. Gordon, who herself is a Sir Thriver, I think her term, of domestic abuse. We love to mention 
any organization that any of our guests work with directly. So we wanted to point you guys that way. And so for more information, go to lovelifenow.org. As always, that'll be on our Instagram, in our stories the day that the episode comes out and in our WWSPD highlight. And next week, please join us as we do Wednesday's Child. That's season 15, episode 14, XOXO forever. We're obsessed with all of you. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmessedappod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun, dun! dun. <laughs> Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.